0: First off, I'm very jealous of the beards in this room. I've been working on this for a month, and this is all I have. Actually, two months. That is. You've been working on this for two months? What? This. Oh, yes. I thought you did this right here. No, this is like 45 minutes. So, you're going to get what you paid for tonight. This podium is not near big enough, but I have to have a clock, otherwise, I'll talk for 40 minutes because I'm a pastor, <laughs> and that's what I do. Uh, So I'm going to preach out of the, uh, you know, the stereotypical Christmas text of Leviticus 12. It's not true. Nobody preaches Leviticus 12. Uh, But I'm going to read it for you, and then we're going to talk about it, and I promise it connects to Christmas. Leviticus 12, starting verse 1, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, tell the Israelites, When a woman becomes pregnant and gives birth to a male child, she will be unclean seven days, as she is during her menstrual impurity. Verse 3, the flesh of his foreskin must be circumcised on the eighth day. She will continue in purification from her bleeding for 33 days. She must not touch any holy thing or go into the sanctuary until completing her days of purification. Verse 5, but if she gives birth to a female child, she will be unclean for two weeks as she is during her menstrual impurity. She will continue in purification for her bleeding for 66 days. Now, I'm going to skip down to, let's see here, verse 8, just for the sake of time. And it says, But if she doesn't have sufficient means for a sheep, she may take two turtle doves or two young pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. Then the priest will make atonement on her behalf and she will be clean. Okay, that's boring. What does that have to do with Christmas? Well, it's actually in the Christmas story, but nobody reads it. So Daniel preached in Luke chapter 2, and he started in verse 25, which is where Simeon is. When you tell the Christmas story, you generally stop in verse 20 because that's where it gets, like, really exciting. And then verse 21 comes, and you're like, what is this? We're skipping this. Verse 21 says, When the eight days were completed for his circumcision, his being Jesus, he was named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived. And when the days of their purification, according to the law of Moses, were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. In verse 23, Just as it is written in the law of the Lord, So we just read, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice, according to what is stated, again, in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, I love Leviticus. Everybody hates Leviticus, which is probably why I love (laughs) Leviticus, Uh, because I think in the law, we see really these beautiful pictures of who Jesus would be. And I, we get so far removed, because uh, it's 2,000 years ago, and as one of you guys were saying, we have the beauty of the Bible to see Jesus from cover to cover and all that it is. But I want us to go back and think of uh, what this would have been like for an Israelite who grew up under the law of Leviticus, to hear how good and amazing this Jesus would be. And so what I want to do is, taking Luke 2, uh, 21 and 24, I I want to look at three, I didn't know how to say this, I would say ironies, or kind of these moments where God has to be kind of grinning. I don't know if you had a sibling when you grew up. I had a little brother, and every time he grinned at me, I knew something bad was about to happen, because he knew something I didn't know. Uh, And I just think God, as he's writing this law, and then as Mary is fulfilling this law, she is actually painting a picture of the baby that's in her arms, And I really want to just focus on one of them uh, just for the sake of time. But I'm going to go ahead and give you number one, and we'll stop at number two, and I might give you number three, depending on what this clock tells me. Irony number one. find it in verse three if you're reading along. Uh, Actually, I'll start in verse one again. The Lord spoke to Moses, tell the Israelites, when a woman becomes pregnant and gives birth to a male child, she will be unclean seven days as she is during her menstrual impurity. Why are you unclean for being on your menstrual period? Um, Well, in Leviticus, there's this huge theme. There's the the common and then there's the holy. God's in the holy, we're in the common. Uh, When God created the world, there was just holy. We sinned, there's common, and there's holy. This is a problem because the common cannot be in the sight of the holy, otherwise the holy is not holy. In other words, God isn't who he is. He has to be holy, he has to be just, and the only thing we get for being common is the wrath of God and the condemnation of God. This is a problem for us, but it's also a problem for God because God wants relationship with his people. So Leviticus is all about God bridging that gap so that common people can be in relationship with Holy God, which is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. So uh, when we define sin, a lot of times we think of sin as being outrightly evil, which is true. Like if you murder somebody, you're a sinner. Uh, But also, it's just to miss the mark. So uh, sometimes this was intentional, but a lot of times, especially in the Old Testament law, it was things like your menstrual period. Like it's not uh, that you're doing anything wrong, it just misses the mark of God's holiness. That's why Mary is having to make the offering in the first place. Verse 3, the flesh of his foreskin uh, must be circumcised on the eighth day. And then verse 4 says, she will continue in purification from her bleeding for 33 days. Irony number one that I saw is Mary spent 33 days to be purified from the blood of Jesus. Jesus would live 33 years to purify us by his blood. Uh, I'll just read a little bit of Hebrews 9.22 and then we'll move on to point 2. Uh, but I could spend all day right there. It says, according to the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Therefore, it was necessary for the copies of things in heaven to be purified with these sacrifices. But the heavenly things themselves to be purified with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with hands, only a model of the true one to come, but into heaven itself, so that he might now appear in the presence of God for us. He did not do this to offer himself up many times as the high priest entered the sanctuary yearly with the blood of another. In other words, they had to keep making sacrifices of animals for this to be good. Jesus just made one sacrifice. Otherwise, he would have to have to suffer many times since the foundation of the world. But now he has appeared one time at the end of the ages for the removal of sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for the people to die once and after this judgment, so also Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. That's good news, my friend. Irony number two, and this is where I want to spend uh, the remainder of my time, which I've already used up most of my time. That's awesome. Uh, Can I keep going? Okay, awesome. Irony number two, uh, as we look at Leviticus 12, at the end of verse 4, it says, she must not touch any holy thing or go into the sanctuary until her days of purification are complete. In other words, you had to uh, stay away from unclean things until you were made holy again. So here's the irony. Mary avoided the unclean to become holy. Jesus entered the unclean to make us holy. This is a beautiful, beautiful truth. Uh, And and it's really expressed. My favorite gospel is the gospel of Mark. Uh, Mark 1, 39 through 44 says this. It says, uh, he went into all of Galilee, sorry, yeah, verse 39. He went into all of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons Then a man with leprosy, unclean, came to him on his knees and begged him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. We could just read over that. To an ancient Israelite who would have been reading this, they would have literally gasped out loud that you would touch somebody unclean. That is purposely moving yourself from the holy ritual standing with God to a common standing. And yet something amazing happens. Jesus isn't made unclean. As we keep reading, Jesus says, I am willing, he told him. Be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Verse 43, then he, Jesus, sternly warned him and sent him away at once, telling him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priests and offer what Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. That they would see, the priests would see that they didn't go through the purification uh, rituals that they had set up for them, but it was Jesus who purified them. And here's why this is really good news. Because for me, even as a Christ follower, I can live as though the law is true. And uh, instead of running to Jesus when I feel unclean, I often feel like I have to do certain things, I have to purify myself for 33 days, if you will, before I can be made holy and come to God again. In other words, when I mess up, I don't run to God, I run away from God. Uh, For me, in my own life, I battled uh, with lust at a very severe level really through high school, probably as a lot of guys do. and for a large portion of my life, when I would mess up, the result would be that I would wallow in my sin with shame and guilt, and I would want to do anything but pray for God because I felt so unworthy to reach out to Him. You see, but what this text tells me is that that is when I am most ripe, and I am most ready to reach out for God, because He is the one who steps into uncleanliness and actually makes us holy as people. And uh, I think that this is, this is really played out, and I'll end here, Uh, in Mark chapter 5, verse 25 through 34. It's really a scandalous story. It says, Now a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing. For she said, If I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Instantly, Her blood flow ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. She was made clean. Verse 30, at once Jesus realized in himself that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing against you, and yet you say, who touched me? Verse 32, but he was looking around to see who had done this. And then it says this, the woman with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Why was she afraid? Because it was a very serious thing for somebody who was unclean to touch somebody who was ritually clean. That would have been a big, big no-no in their culture. And here's this Jesus guy who touched me. And she's thinking to herself, he's going to find me. He's mad at me. He's angry at me. And I think far too often we still think of God that way. And unfortunately, it's probably because a lot of us in the church have made God seem that way. Um, I think of my biological father, Uh, He died when I was 16 years old. Uh, He lived a tough, tough life, just hard. Um, He struggled with drug and alcohol addiction his entire life. He was married three times. Um, He had five kids, and he really didn't have a good relationship with any of us. Uh, Really, at his his low point in his mid-30s, we didn't even know where he was uh, until he was found on the highway between Amarillo and Woodward. He was homeless and decided he needed to walk back home And he had literally worn through the soles of his shoes and uh, had blisters on his feet and had literally collapsed and was left there to die if a state trooper wouldn't have found him. And I remember one of the last times I talked to my dad before he died, uh, and he just would tell me over and over again how unworthy he was of God and how he was beyond hope, but that, Blake, you can do something with your life, so do something with your life. And I just wish as a 16-year-old kid I would have had the wisdom to look at my dad and tell him, you are not beyond hope. Because our God is not the God who makes you be purified before you come to Him. But our God is the God who sent His Son to live the full requirements that I could never live, that Mother Teresa could never live, that my father could never live up to. And then to die the atoning death that I was supposed to die, and then rise again and promising that anybody who would trust and put their faith in Him would be made clean and holy. Not based upon what we do, but based upon what He did. So I just... Pray that as we end this text here, you would have the same response that this woman had, and you would listen to these words of Jesus, and they would be true to you. This woman, scared, tells him the whole truth, and then Jesus says this daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. I just believe today, whether you're a Christian here today or you're not. Um, We all have things that we're ashamed of. We all have things that we want to hide. And I would just tell you, Jesus isn't afraid of those things. In fact, he knows the mess up you're going to make 15 years from now, just as well as he knows the mess up you made last night. And he would grab you by the face and He would say, son or daughter, your faith has healed you. And so this Christmas, the best gift you could give me would be to place your faith totally and fully in that gospel message. I want to pray for us real quick, and then um, I'll let whoever's going next go. Father God, uh, I thank you so much for your grace. Lord, that you could save a sinner like Blake Farley. Lord, that uh, when I mess up, when I'm ashamed of my sin, I don't have to hide from you. I don't have to go through any kind of ritual to be right before you again. But Lord, because of your grace, I can run to you. And it's in the running to you that I find the healing, that I find the cleansing, that I find the purification. And I pray today, Lord, somebody in this room would for the first time not trust in just religious activity or trying to be a good person or trying to clean up their lives before they come to you. But they would just say, like this woman who's battled for 12 years, they would just reach out in faith and place their trust in you and what you've done. Lord, we love you and we know you are righteous and good to answer that prayer. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Does anybody have anything else? Um, I think, uh, boy, I I was blessed. I don't know about you guys, right? Every single person really was special. Brad, awesome. Hunter, really really encouraging. Casey, one of the best ones I've ever heard you do. Uh, Haddon, do you have something? Yeah, okay. You do, okay. No, not okay. (laughs) I bet you could. And, guys, thanks for coming. Thanks for. Uh, joining with us in worship today. So uh, this is uh, Bragging on Jesus December 2019 and hopefully God willing we'll, we'll be back next month. So God bless. Thanks.